Well, um, you guys, it's the final Sunday of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It, it is. And um, at times like this, we, you know, we start to look back and take stock of things and we think about things that went well and things that went poorly. And so I want to talk specifically about regrets this morning. Um, but I, I, I was just thinking about this for my own self that this is interesting because the very first time I preached at this church, even before I was on staff, was the very first Sunday of 2010. Uh, so it was the first Sunday of the decade, and here I am with the last Sunday of the decade in my final sermon. No, just kidding. It's not mine. Um, <laughs> no? And things go badly. I don't know. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yes. Well, unless you guys want me to... No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, it's, it's been interesting. It's been a, a really interesting year. And, uh, you know, as, as we start thinking about the, the good things and bad things, I, I, I want to invite you. What are some of your successes this year? Uh, let me, I'll just get the ball rolling. This, by the way, was a disaster first service. Um, we're going we're gonna to make this work this time, though. I can feel it. See, I'm using this to cover it up so I don't actually get it. All right, some successes. I'm going to start this, okay? Here's one of my successes. My kids didn't kill me. That's good. That's a success, all right? For the most part, my kids actually kind of like me, which is kind of fun. And I, I still like that. That is a success. Emily turns 18 this week, which is stunning. And uh, so that's cool. Um, and on the, you know, the subject of kids, I'll say uh, we, had, we had one. We had a fifth one, right? Is it five? Okay, five. Yes. Nathan was born. Okay, so we had a kid. Yeah, another kid. All right. So what are some of your successes? What? What? In the 10 years, Nikita. 10 years. The decade. Not this year. They all survived the decade. They all survived the decade. That's true. All right. Other successes that we have. Welcome to Christ Center, everybody. Um, successes. You got married. There we go. Marriage. That's good. Anyone else get married this decade? Yeah, all right. Lots of marriages. Right on. Right on. Still married. Oh, there you go. That's a great one. Still married. We'll take that one too. Oh, twins, twins. That made me drop the book just thinking about that. Oh, yes. And you guys are still alive. That's, yes. Okay. Oh, college graduation. Wonderful. That is a, that's a great success. Adoption. Built a home. Yes, indeed. Whoops. How can I? Sorry. Built home. What else? Moved. Okay. Successful move. Very good. Broke some barriers. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to have to be our last one. Broke barriers. That's good. Ah. Oh, 49 years married. Topper. 
<laughs> I'm not going to ask for regrets here because that would be a little invasive on my part. But do you guys have any regrets from this decade too? I do. I have regrets. Well, here's, here's the regret, and this has been something we've you know, been very public about, but I, one of my biggest regrets is I didn't deal very well with the hard stuff. We have a lot of hard stuff, and everybody has hard stuff that they deal with. We have the good, and you have the hard. And so, you know, we started out 2010, as I said, there's, it feels like there's like symmetry to this decade. We started out preaching here in 2010, and the very next week, our dear friend Karen Nita passed away from cancer. So that's how we started the decade. And then we ended the decade, of course, with, with losing Janae cancer this year. And so there were those things. And then in the middle of dealing with my, my son's diagnosis and, and all of the, the things that I, I myself didn't deal very well with the hard things, especially early on. Um, and what happened is I sort of became distant and I... I I, I kind of crawled in a shell for quite some time and I didn't let people in and I pushed my wife out. I pushed my kids out and I just became distant. And it was, uh, I wish that I had done better there. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a real regret. And I think probably all of us have some things we look back on and we're like, yeah, I wish I had done better. Now I know some of you are thinking, hey, I don't have regrets. Hashtag no regrets. And you shouldn't have regrets and because you wouldn't be where you are without your regrets. And I, I hear that, but I still think that's kind of silly because, look, it's the grace of God that gets us where we are, right? Uh, and, and, and unless you've done everything right, it's probably healthy to have some regrets, to look back and go, man, I wish I had not done that thing because I would have hurt that person or I end up hurting myself or I ended up making things weird and, and bad and hard and I wish I could go back and fix it. I think that's appropriate. Now that problem is that can turn into real shame too and we can start you know, getting clobbered by those things and that's not at all healthy either. So I think it's a good day as we close up this decade to consider our regrets and, and what, we, what we do with them. Um, I want to, to think about a man who had a lot of regrets, the Apostle Paul. He, uh, he, I was imagining him doing a kind of exercise that we just did. Um, this guy had some, some big things to regret. In fact, if he had, I, you, you remember his story, right? He is this, this ultra hardcore guy and he's trying to arrest Christians and all this stuff and then he gets knocked off his horse and the light comes down and he meets Jesus. Imagine him a week later after he gets his sight back going and doing this kind of exercise that we're doing, okay? Paul's successes and failures, all right? Come on, turn. All right. Wow. I hit the button down here that time. Imagine Paul's successes and failures. Successes, okay, let's see. Graduated Pharisee school. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Ah, oh, that's not a success. That's a really regret. Um, okay, okay, I got it. Okay, became top heresy cop. Oh, no, that was actually turned out to be a bad thing, too. Okay, um, <laughs> I have some. All right, arrested 
dozens of, no, Christians, that's <laughs> turned out to be bad too. Okay, all right. Served others by holding their coats. No, that's bad. Everything that he would have looked on early on as a success turned out to be a thing you really regretted. He had to reevaluate his entire life. Can you imagine having this much regret? Maybe you can. That's a lot. So, what did Paul do with these things, with this sordid past that he had? I, I noticed two things that he says. This is not in any way like a comprehensive study on this topic, but I want you to see a couple of places where he touches on it. So I just got a couple of observations for you here. The first one, he touches, it, touches on it in Romans 6. Um, he says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That's a, that's a, pretty, cool, that's a pretty cool thing to think about your, your past, and it, it's, it's the message of, of what we have in Jesus. In fact, this also is what we see in baptism. In baptism, you know, it's a very vivid thing. It's... It, you, you go under the water, symbolizing death and burial, and you come back, symbolizing resurrection, which is what Jesus himself ultimately did. Death to life, burial, and, and, and new life. And this is, this is what he offers us. Um, so if you think about the regrets that Paul himself would have had, he was able to, to put those things and say, look, I have Jesus I have Jesus, and even though I wish I hadn't done all those things, I have new life in him. Isn't that cool? Now, he keeps going. Uh, here, well, let's, let's jump to the, the second way, because that was sort of a general thing. How does a person deal with, with their, you know, sordid past? But he had very specific things as well. He has, in this, this is a bit of a longer passage in his letter to the Philippians. Check this out. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. We'll get back to that. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, here's the thing. That word rubbish is a soft translation. A closer translation is the word dung. 
This was, a, this was a harsh word that he was using. It probably would have been a word that if Paul's grandmother was looking over his shoulder, she would have gone, ah. Dung gets closer to it, all right? So here's what he's saying. He's using a word that makes people go, whoa, wait a second. Yes, exactly, exactly. He's being very intentional. There's much softer words he could have used, but he didn't. He chose a harsh one, and he said, because it's disgusting, and I want you to wince a little when you see it. Because all that stuff that I had that I thought was so great that I took such pride in is scubala. That's the word he uses. Isn't that a good word? Doesn't that say, it sounds kind of harsh. Scubala. That's what he says. All the stuff that I thought was great was rubbish. Rubbish. Paul made a meme, actually. Did you guys know this? Did you know he made memes? He made a meme. He was a big fan of Jurassic Park, so here's, here's what he said. You see this? Yeah. You guys remember that? Still, still, I, I don't know. We thought that more people would remember this scene and think that was funnier, but whatever. I did my best. I did my best. I don't know. But you know what I know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I notice as he's talking about all these things he's calling scubala? All of, uh, all these, these things, uh, this list, things he, he was proud of. He throw, he's like, they're dead and buried. They're terrible. They're gross. I don't want any part of them. But you know what's fascinating is that with all of these things, God redeemed all of it. He redeemed all of it. He started that passage that I just read talking about the flesh. And it's easy if you've been in the church for a while to, for your eyes to glaze over when it comes across certain terms, you know, anytime you're reading the scriptures, the flesh, what's that? That's a religious term that means sin, whatever. It doesn't. And he's actually talking about the body. Because NIV translates flesh as like sinful nature all over the place. It's a terrible translation. When he's, he's talking about boasting in the flesh, he's really meaning his body and his heritage. In fact, the it, 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 he expounds on this whole thing more in Galatians. Here's the issue. When he talks about finding pride in the law and in the flesh, which is what you see all throughout that book, he's not talking about taking pride in doing good things. He's not, you know, it's, when he's talking about works against grace, you know, it's grace that we're saved by, not by works. He's not saying it's grace not doing good things. He's talking specifically about the Torah, about the Mosaic law, and specifically about an item about the flesh, which is circumcision, an item of marking the human body. The whole book of Galatians is about circumcision. And this passage where he started talking about, he's talking about there, there as well. So let me explain. When Paul had come to the city of Galatia, this was in modern day Turkey. This is not a place with a bunch of synagogues and a large Jewish settlement at all. These people were not Jewish. In fact, this, this, this will be interesting for some of you. The Galatians are actually uh, uh, the Celts. Do you know that? Yeah, they're Celtic peoples. 
Um, they migrated in different places, but you read the history of it and it sounds like Braveheart. These, they became like mercenary warriors who would paint themselves blue and run into battle naked and all this stuff. Like, it's crazy. It's like you're watching Braveheart back in the day. Um, but they were this wild sort of group and that really they became like mercenary soldiers, kind of rent themselves out to this army or that army. And Paul goes in there and he introduces them into Jesus Christ. And this wild group, start, there's a church that's formed right in the middle of all of them. It's amazing amazing thing that took place here because he comes in and says Jesus Christ died for all peoples every tribe and nation even you which you know I have Celtic heritage so I'm like I like that all right so uh, (laughs) he he does that and he leaves and he goes off to the next place well here's what happens a group a, 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 a certain specific sect of Jews came in uh and they came in and undermined what Paul did They told this group, they're like, okay, it's good that you have Jesus, but you're still not actually saved because you have to become Jewish in order to get saved. That's the only way. That's the only way really to have salvation. So what you need to do is start observing all the Jewish holidays. What you need to do is start observing all the Mosaic law and all your males need to get circumcised. And until that happens, you have no place in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. Paul's like, are you kidding me? The book of Galatians, I encourage you, go back and read it. If you didn't know that, that that's the backdrop, that's what Paul's addressing through the entire book. And he is livid with these people because he's saying, absolutely not. Salvation is in Christ alone and it's for all peoples. You don't have to walk through a certain gate of ethnicity in order to receive him. That's a message that we still need to hear today. So he tells them that. So as he's addressing in this book, and also what he touched on at the beginning of what we read a little bit ago, he is saying, you people who put confidence in the flesh, this is so wrong. And he goes off on them. He says, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? And it's Paul at his best. It's fantastic stuff. And you see why he's so mad. He says, this is idolatry. If you're saying Jesus isn't enough, you have to have this, that's idolatry. It's, it's Christ alone. Now, why do I tell you all of that? That's a little random, isn't it? No, it's, it's, for, it's for this reason. All the stuff that Paul had, what, look, why is he going off on people like the Galatians? I think it's for this reason. He used to be one of those guys. He used to be one of them who would have come and says, you have to do it all just like this. You have to be like me. You have to have confidence in the flesh and look at me. You have to be circumcised. You have to be Jewish. All of these things. He used to be one of those guys. So here he is all these years later and he sees this happen. He goes, oh, no, you don't. No. He just comes out like a dog, like he's so mad. Isn't it interesting that God took that thing, which he says, this is scubala. All this confidence, all this pride that I have all the zeal that I have, and it's nothing, and he throws it all down. Isn't it fascinating that God redeemed that very thing to rescue the Galatian people? And to speak to so many of us today. Isn't that amazing? You see, this is the way redemption actually works. This is the way, this is the way it works. Now follow me. You ready for this? Are you guys ready? What do you call it? When you have scubala that you bury in the dirt, you call it fertilizer. 
you see? Do you see? He has all of this stuff. He's like, this is nonsense. This is, this is scubala. And he buries it. And God grows something out of that. God grew something out of that. That is how redemption works. That's how it works. Have you seen this in your life? I have. It's amazing how some of the places where we're so weak, God ends up growing something in. Isn't it amazing how in our weakness, he becomes strong? I sometimes think he just wants to... (laughs) I think he wants to just like come to the things that the devil's own and goes, no, 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 that's not yours anymore, (laughs) you know? I think he wants to thumb his nose in the enemy's face sometimes because he does this so often. It's amazing. He'll take a thing that was so broken and he'll breathe on it, a thing that had no business living and he'll breathe on it and he'll bring life right there and create a strength right in that spot, in that broken place. That's what he likes to do. You know, he did that in my life. Like, as I started this sermon, and as you guys who have read my book or heard me talk before know very well our story and know very well that the long season of sadness and depression, all of this stuff that I walked through, which was just ugly and difficult, and it had ramifications and it hurt people. And I really wish that that hadn't happened. But you know what ended up happening, you guys? With all that scuba law? God grew something. God grew something. And for some reason now, me, of all people, I end up praying with and speaking to and, and, and writing for people who are in my situation, dads who don't know how to face their kid's diagnosis, people who are stuck under the weight of sadness and don't know how to celebrate in the midst of sadness. Like me of all people, I'm talking about this now. And suddenly it's become a strength. Like I still struggle with it. I'm not gonna lie, I still struggle a lot with it. I have to surround myself with people who, who tell me again and again, no, it's okay. Nothing's falling apart, it's okay. Just walk through this, God is with you. I still have to do that. But somehow the Lord has grown like a tree in that dead place. And I don't know how he did it. But this is how redemption works, friends. You take your regrets, you take the broken things, you take the things that you thought are hopelessly dead and you throw them in the ground and there's a baptism that takes place. There's a resurrection that takes place. I tell you that because many of you at the end of this year and at the end of this decade are walking around with heavy weights on your shoulders, with heavy regrets that weigh you down and you think about them often, and it's turned to shame, and you think, man, oh man, and you replay those things. And when, you, when somebody, you got all these triggers that make you go back and make you wince as you think about the time where you said that really ugly thing to that person. You know, that time when you, you did that really horrible thing in secret and all of these things where you think about your track record and how many times you've fallen in that spot, that same spot, and it weighs you down. And what I want to tell you is this. Those things are not final, friends. God is in the business of redemption. He's in the business of taking your regrets, your scubala, and growing new life there. And it's not on you to make that happen. It's just on you to lay those things down and let them bury them. That's what that is all about. 
It's him. He does the work. You don't do the work. You lay it down and you walk away from it. Many people in hearing something like this think, yeah, it's good. I'll be more attached to the weakness then. And that's exactly the thing you don't want to do. We can't become so sentimental about our broken places that we become attached to them. Because, oh, this is wonderful then. No, because we don't continue in those places so that grace may abound. Paul says, absolutely not. That's not what we're to do. In fact, lay those things down and walk away. The prodigal had to leave the pig pen and come back to the father. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, don't try to plant it there and stay with it. No, you plant it, you take all the scubala, you mix it in the soil, and you say, Lord, bring rain. Lord, (laughs) bring rain. I can't make that happen. You guys, he wants to take those things. He wants to take those places where you continue to wince, where you can't seem to, to outrun your broken places. And he wants to breathe on them. I really believe that. He wants to breathe on them. You have regrets. Yeah, we all do. It's okay that you have regrets. You've blown it. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Those things are not final. They are not final. Our God majors in redemption. Our God majors in resurrection. I know you're not supposed to, I mean, people think of, of, of the act of new life and even baptism as like this thing that you, you do in the beginning, right? Like you die and, and, and come back, right? You're raised with him. You, you, you lay down the old man, you're raised with him. And, and, and sometimes I think we forget that we still need that same kind of grace day by day and that he still offers it day by day. Sometimes I think we can think so much about the particular point of salvation to the detriment of our day-to-day need for his continued grace. I want to tell you this. Yes, you had new life in him when you first gave your heart to him, but you can continue to give your heart to him. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like my old mentor, Larry Allen, used to say, he doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that you can only get saved once. (laughs) You just keep getting saved. Lord, I want to get saved again today. (laughs) Lord, I want to walk away again from these things and give my heart to you again it was sort of tongue-in-cheek, but I actually love the sentiment because he's there for us, and, and, and as we blow it, it, it's just the same thing. Lord, I'm going to do the same thing as when I first met you. I'm going to take these things, these regrets, these things I really wish I hadn't done, place I totally blew it, and I'm just going to throw them in there and say, Lord, if you can forgive me, if you can, if you can help me start over, if you could do something with that, that would be amazing because I can't do anything with it anymore. You guys hear me? Do you receive that? Let's pray. Let's stand together. Prayer servant team is coming. If the Lord is dealing with you on any of this, if you've got regrets and they've been burning and he's dealing with it, please come up and get prayer. I want to give that invitation because this can be a day when you don't have to be crushed by those things anymore that you've been crushed by for a really long time. So prayer servant team is coming. Lord, I thank you for each and every one in here have heard these words. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be the great comforter, Lord, the one who comes, and you are, you, you are a God of peace. You're the God who, who wins the battle and brings peace. So we don't ask for a ceasefire in hearts. We pray for your victory in hearts this morning. We pray for your victory over shame, 
your victory over uh, uh, guilt that has been misplaced, that has carried on. Lord, I pray that you would come in and settle the dust in these hearts. And Lord, as we lay these burdens down to you, many of us have done it many times. As we do this and that again this morning, we say, Lord, if you could make new life out of this, that'd be amazing. <laughs> if you could make newness here, that'd be awesome. We ask you to do that, Lord. I pray this would be a year of mighty victory in Jesus. I pray this would be a year of incredible overcoming by the Holy Spirit in hearts all around this place. Lord, we praise you as the great redeemer. And we say, Lord, you redeemed us once. Can you come redeem us again? Can you come redeem us again? We praise you, Jesus, for a new start. We praise you that your mercies are new every single morning.